In today's show, we look back at the action from Thursday in the NBA, the surgery news for Devin Vassell, Bradley Beal's hamstring injury, waiver wire trends. It's all coming up, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball and on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I've got four games on, but some really big injury news um, went down. And of course, a massive, massive trade. We're going to talk about all of that news, some little injury updates. Uh, we might as well get into it, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bradley Beal. He is out for at least one week with that hamstring. That is not a surprise, a recurrence of that hamstring injury. Um, that's at least three games. I'm not sure that he comes back at all next week, so let's make that four games that he's going to be out, at least prepare for that anyway, and uh, we'll see what happens after that. Not great, obviously, that he came back too early, pretty clearly, from that first little hamstring soreness issue that he had. Now, of course, we know what's going to happen with Beal out. Kispert will start. Avdia will get extra opportunities. Um, Hachimura will get a little bit more usage. And Monte Morris will handle the ball more. Porzingis and Kuzma will get more shots, but they're already rostered. We're not doing anything with that. Again, a quick reminder, Gafford's must roster. Um, in terms of ads, I'd probably look Morris, then Avdia, then Hachimura in that order. I wouldn't prioritize Rui um, really. I think he gets he needs to have unbelievably elite shooting to provide any value, whereas those other guys can do it with some assists, some steals, some rebounds, some blocks in case of Avdia. And we've got a track record of Avdia stepping up with Beal out. Um, yes, some of that was with Rui out. Rui had a couple of good games. I think he's probably more of a points league stream versus a category league stream with Beal out. Kispert's only like, say, a 14-team league guy at best if you're looking for three-pointers. He doesn't really put it together all that often, even though he's the one who gets the start. Joel Embiid is out on Friday. We've got that updated. That's not great. Montrose Harrell was great last game. I wouldn't expect a repeat of that, but he is streamable. But again, you've got 11 games on. Is it worth wasting an ad to get Harrell in there who might struggle? He hasn't always been good in the games and beads out. It's not a guarantee that's going to happen. Uh, Capella's out again. So Nyekarakongwu, we keep rolling there. John Collins hopefully gets a boost in that situation. And we talked yesterday. I forgot to talk about it. And then I remembered at the end and said, keep an eye on Donovan Mitchell because it looked like he strained his groin towards the end of that game against Phoenix. And he has been listed as out. For tomorrow, they said rest, but I reckon I reckon that groin might be something. Now, Darius Garland has been upgraded to questionable. If both of those guys out, then we're really leaning heavily into Karis LeVert, and I would probably consider Chetty Osman worth a look. I think he's worth a look anyway. He's probably going to play 30 minutes with Mitchell out. Um, and the other guy to look for in deep leagues, Hal Neto, who's played like 15, 16, and 20 minutes in the last three contests. I wouldn't be looking too much at Okoro or Stevens. It's really LeVert, um, Osman, and then Neto for deeper formats. Neto, Okoro, 
probably on a similar sort of wavelength. But if Garland's out as well, then we're really going into Levert and they might actually start Hull Neto in that situation or they might start Osman and then we're really looking at those ones as, as interesting options. There was that trade, as I mentioned, Noah Vonley. Remember, remember when the Celtics played him big minutes at the start of the season over Grant Williams? It made no sense at the time. And uh, obviously he hasn't really played ever at all because he's not that good. He was traded to the Spurs. The Spurs waived Gorgie Jeng, and then they waived Noah Vonley. So there's literally no impact here for fantasy whatsoever. There was cash that moved the way it opened up a roster spot for the Celtics. It saved them tax money. Doesn't mean anything. Chris Middleton, still out. RJ Barrett, still out. Brandon Ingram, still out. No real word on when those guys are going to return, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating to not have information on this, but they are all still out. And then the big one dropped. And I have talked about this already. It was on the about 10 minutes before we went live on the pregame show today. I also dropped a little um, YouTube short and it's video over on TikTok about the Devin Vassell injury. He's having surgery, arthroscopic surgery. It doesn't actually tell us what it is. It, well, I don't know what arthroscopic surgery. I know I do know what it is, but it doesn't tell us what they're trying to fix. An arthroscope is a medical implement. And it means instead of cutting the full knee open, you can just go in with a tiny little camera, the arthroscope, to see what you're doing. Are they looking at a meniscus, cartilage, um, bone issue, MCL, PCL? Uh, I don't know. Arthroscope tells us the method of surgery. It doesn't tell us the injury. So hopefully, like, it's going to be okay and it's nothing too significant. But you're putting something inside the knee and doing some surgery in there. It's not happening until the 11th of January. So that's not until a week's time. I would think you're looking at Four weeks absolute minimum, probably six weeks minimum for a team that's not trying to win and has no incentive to rush him back. If he plays, if he plays again this season, I'll be mildly surprised. If he plays again before March, I, I will be actually really surprised. That's like seven weeks from the date of surgery. I just don't, maybe we get 25th of February, maybe it's post All-Star, he comes back. And if your IR is full, that's the start of fantasy playoffs. Can you deal with zeros for a guy who literally might not come back? I'd like to hold for a day or two to see if we get any more information and updated timeline, but it is trending towards him being a drop. Now, the question is going to be, who do I add? And for those of us who... Oh, no, not those of us. That was that was going to be rude. No, I didn't want to sound rude. But we all have a tendency to... What happened last game? Josh Richardson went off 29 minutes, 20 points or whatever he scored. Man, that's great. He's the clear ad. Well, is he... Because in three of the last four games, Vassell has been out. In one of those games, Romeo Langford scored, I think, 28 points. And Richardson played under 20 minutes. In another one of those games, as yesterday, yeah, yesterday, Vassell was out and Richardson went off. And Langford played 13 minutes as a starter. And then, like four games ago, when Vassell was out, Langford started. And neither Langford or Richardson hit 20 minutes. They didn't do anything. So... I think it's going to be one of these situations where Richardson, who's actually questionable for tomorrow as well, He's going to have opportunities, but it's going to be very inconsistent. Langford's going to have opportunities. He's going to be wildly inconsistent. You're going to have opportunities for Branham on some games. And I don't think any of those three players, who are the guys who are probably going to absorb most of Vassell's minutes, I don't think any of them are 12-team league must-grab players. And then the other one, people go, well, Jeremy Sohan is a must-add player. He's just going to take everything. Well, last game, Vassell was out, and Sohan had a usage of 7% and scored zero points. So we've also got evidence of Vassell being out and nothing changing at all for Sohan. So 
this is not to preclude that Richardson becomes the guy and plays 28 a night, every night, and becomes good. This is not to preclude the situation where Sohan takes on all of Vassell's usage and becomes this better scorer, but it's also to tell you that we literally saw it and it didn't happen. It, 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 is it good enough to have Richardson pop off once every three games? Is that worth a 12-team ad? I don't think so. Is 7% usage with zero, zero points worth it? As a muster, I still think Sohan was on a 12 team league sort of issue, like not issue. He was up and down, fringe, back and forth sort of player anyway. So he's probably the guy I would add. But we do have three games in the last week of Vassell being out and absolutely no clear winner whatsoever. Langford, Vassell, uh, sorry, Langford, Sohan, um, Richardson, Branham, no one stood out. You'll get more usage for Trey Jones, I think. He had a pretty big usage game yesterday, but I just think it's going to be a back-and-forth disaster the whole way. I even had someone throw up, hey, what about Kata bates deal? I'm like, I didn't even think of this bloke. He's a power forward, really. He's dealing with an illness, but maybe they put Sohan at the three and bates It's just going to be, I think, a mess. And then there's Blake Wesley, who's working his way back, who might get into the mix as well as another name. I just think it's going to be a complete disaster all over the place. One guy in, one guy out, one guy in, one guy out. Richardson sitting games, Langford stepping up, Langford playing 30 minutes and scoring four points, Sohan having 20 points one game, and then one point on 0 of 7 shooting the next game. I think that is what is likely to be the issue, and I am not rushing to add Richardson, I'm not rushing to add Langford, and Sohan's maybe the one that I would consider, but I also literally just saw him do nothing in a situation where Vassal was out. So it's far from a usage bump guarantee and a big role guarantee for Sohan. It's very, very far from that. I think it's always worth, and this is again, it's not I'm going on about this for a long time because I think it is important. This is not to preclude you from adding these players. You can go ahead and do it, and I would do, go Sohan, Richardson, Langford in that order if I was doing it. But what it is really important to note is don't drop a valuable player. Be really cautious who you're dropping because some of you out there will be like, oh, I'll just drop Jalen Duran to do this. Like, eh, I don't think so. I'll drop Kelly Linick. Eh, I don't think so either. I'll drop Jalen Green. He's annoying me. All right? I don't think so. You probably don't after today's game. But just be really cautious who you're dropping in this sort of situation for a, a an opportunity that is very far from guaranteed. I absolutely want to hear your opinions on the Vassell, because I think that's probably the, the beer one we really sort of know. The Vassell one is something that's really interesting. It's a key thing. He's killing it this season. And I want to see your thoughts. So if you are on YouTube, drop them in the comments. What do you think is going to happen with the sellout? Who are you grabbing? If anybody, do you agree with my take or do you think that I'm full of shit? Well, you maybe think I'm full of shit anyway, even if you do agree. But go and write some comments down below there. Guys, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and the 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's go to the waiver wire. Um, 
most added players over the, since I did the waiver wire show yesterday morning. Who are they? They are number one, Reggie Jackson. That's streaming today. Number two, John Ray Hunter, up 12%. Okay. I know the last two games have been really good for Hunter, and I get the intrigue. A starter who is putting up good defensive numbers with good shooting. I have no problem with him being added. I didn't do it because I just don't. I just don't think it's going to sustain, but I get it. Bones Highland up 12%. I guess that's the Thursday-Friday back-to-back combo. We don't know what he's going to do next game if Murray does sit, but it's worth a crack. Jalen McDaniels, I think that is absolutely worth it. The Hornets are doing that stupid thing with Gordon Hayward again. Oh, he's doubtful. Yeah, he's doubtful to play in the next two weeks, much like with Rogier and Cody Martin. All right, McDaniels is the ad there, and he is as long as Hayward is out. Kevon Looney, last two games have been awesome for him. I still don't think that he's a 12-team league guy. Najee Marshall is until Ingram returns. Malcolm Brogdon up 8%. That's for streaming today and for Saturday, and it worked out okay. And Timmy Hardaway, look, we talked about Tim Hardaway. We love the three games in four nights for the Mavericks, but just be aware that it was one of those games that he was going to completely shit the bed, and it was today. So it's not the wrong move to have added Hardaway. The field goals got crushed today, but they still got a Saturday-Sunday back-to-back where there might be value there. The most dropped players, we go to Dante DiVincenzo down 15%. What I noticed from some of these drops here, if you don't score any points, you're done. People just say, see you later. 15% is a massive drop. Wiggins might be back. I don't know. Curry's going to be back in a week. This is all true. But DiVincenzo has been putting together really good games, and he's been a top 100 player. He just went scoreless last game, so everyone just went, see you later. Well, not everyone, but 15% is a decent chunk of people to just drop him. So that's very reactionary. Same with Jeremy Sohan. Sohan now. Now, I'm pretty sure when I look at this number tomorrow, Sohan's numbers are going to be way up because of the Vassell situation, but he went scoreless yesterday, so everyone dropped him. And I don't have a problem with them reacting that way. He was sort of a fringy player. But if you, when you don't score, you get dropped. TJ Warren, down 10%. Yes, he got hurt, dropped. Royce O'Neal, scoreless, down 9%, dropped. And I actually don't disagree with dropping those two players. But it was just an interesting pattern I saw that I don't think... Did any of those players even score yesterday? Maybe Warren scored two points. It wasn't much, even if he did. Everyone said, right, you didn't score. See you later. Malik Monk was down 9%. I think that's probably the right call. He's moved more into streaming now. And Naz Reed. I know he's been injured, but I don't think I would have been so quick to move on from Naz Reed, even though Prince and Anderson are back. Alex Caruso down 7%. The Rabbit Hunter. Be very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Um, yeah, he's a steel specialist. Injured again. No need to hold him. And Javon Carter down 6%. Absolutely a drop. He struggled. Drew Holiday's back again tomorrow until the next time. But yeah, Carter isn't, isn't worth the hold really at all. So I agree with most of those. I just thought a little bit reactionary on DiVincenzo and on Nazareth Reed. But yeah, not a complete, uh, not a complete disaster situation. Let's go to the recaps. First one, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Orlando Magic. Um, Grizzlies were up pretty big early, and then the Magic made it closer towards the end. Memphis still wins 123-115, and after the Grizzlies, oh, those Grizzlies, those sneaky Grizzlies, Desmond Bain, he's going to sit out back-to-back, and then that's it. He doesn't have to sit out any more than one back-to-back. He is ready to go. Um, yeah, I don't know that that's true. Psych! That's the wrong number! 
Yeah, he set out this back-to-back. So I don't know what that means moving forward. Is he going to sit other back-to-backs? I don't, I don't know what to believe. Anyway, Bain was out. So they started John Conchar, but it was Tyus Jones who stepped up again. 25 minutes, 12-3-8, two steals, two threes. Now we saw when Bain played, he really did nothing. And the last two games that Bain's been out, he stepped up a lot. So now we look at Jones as a Bain streamer and a Morant streamer, further increasing his stash value on a good team. John Morant had 32 points with six assists. He shot 62 from the field and 71 from the line. But how about the big fella, Triple J? 32 minutes for Jaron Jackson, 31 and 10 with two threes, a steal and three blocks on 86% shooting. He has been unbelievably good this season. The 24th ranked player, um, you just don't expect this. You don't expect this from him even if he went into the season fully healthy. He's blocking shots at a ridiculous level. He probably is a sell high because his shooting numbers are sky high. He's rebounding the ball well. Um, he's blocking everything in the world. I, I think there is a bit of a sell high here, but can you actually even achieve a top 30 player in a trade? Probably not. So maybe you stick with it. He's been awesome. Um, Dylan Brooks wasn't awesome. 11 points on 28%. He did have six assists, but I, I just don't see him as a 12-team league hold with the return of Bain. And Steve Adams, who'd been just rebounding every single board in the world, just stunk. Four and six in 30 minutes. Santi Aldama went scoreless in 13 minutes. There is no... He's still rostered in 12-team leagues. For what reason, I don't know. And you don't obviously need John Conchar, who had three and seven in his playing time. What? No Brandon Clark again. So Xavier T. Ullman had six and eight. Good deep league guy. Well, a good performance from Zaire Williams. We saw him out of the rotation, but he got back in with Bain out. Now, does he stick in ahead of David Roddy Piper? I don't know. But he had 16 points on 86% shooting, which of course is unreal. He's not going to do that. And he didn't have anything else. But how the Williams and Roddy minutes shake out will be something for us to watch. For the Magic, Jalen Suggs finally returned. Yeah, he's going to come off the bench. He's going to be on a minutes restriction. He played five minutes. Surely that wasn't his minutes restriction. Five. You've got to be joking, yeah? Anyway, I, I <laughs> that's annoying. Um, I don't think that he is a 12-team league must-add player. I do like Suggs, but there's just too many guys there for him to get enough usage, get enough ball handling, get enough minutes to be considered a must-roster guy with his percentage deficiencies. He's okay to grab, but he's still. I think he's rostered in far too many leagues. Bunkero, 30 and 9 in 36 minutes for Paolo. Well, this was a back-to-back, and Wendell Carter played 30 minutes on both of them. The foot, he's probably going to have to deal with that issue all season with some pain, but 18 and 7 with a block, great to see. Markel Fultz didn't shoot well, 8 points on 40%, but 9 assists, 2 steals. He played 31 minutes, Cole Anthony played 22. At some point, we're going to see the roster percentage switch, so Fultz is in front of Anthony, as it rightfully should be. As for Cole, 4 points on 0 of 8 shooting. It's just really hard with that fully healthy backcourt for me to see Cole playing 27 or 28, which is enough for him to be a 12-team league guy. So I, I don't see it happening. So I don't think he's a must-roster player. There will be nights where he's good and nights where he's bad, but as an overall thing, it's just hard to rely upon that. Um, Franz Wagner returned from suspension, 22 in 38 minutes with two steals. While Mo Bamba played eight minutes, he's going to be sitting next game. Ball might be back and Mo Wagner will be back. Bamba's not going to play. He is rostered in over 50% of leagues using our advanced roster percentage metric. That makes no sense. That's 50% of 12-team leagues as well, I believe. Absolute nonsense to have the 205th ranked player rostered in over 50% of leagues. They started Gary Harris. He played 22 minutes. He had six points. It's a back-to-back for Gaz, so I guess he's okay. He's not going to be a useful 12-team league contributor, nor is Terrence Ross, who had 14 points with four threes. But we're still, like, if you've got Bowl, I'd be getting real nervous. I don't know where he's going to fit into this rotation. I mean, he's going to play, but how does he play enough to matter? I think that is a uh, going to be a tough ask. 
Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. The NFL, the NBA, college basketball, and the last remaining games of college football. It's all at BetOnline.net. If we look at the championship game odds, Georgia is still 12.5 point favorites over TCU for the College Football National Championship. You can check that out and all of the other odds over at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go to the second game of the day. Um, who was it? Oh, yeah, it was uh, us kicking. The Celtics beat the Mavericks 124-95. Final score here um, in Dallas as well. Jason Tatum had 29-14 and 10. That's a triple-double with two blocks. Shot 36% only, which is a little bit annoying. Do you know that Tatum's the 51st ranked player over the last week? Obviously sliding a little bit from where he started at the beginning of the year. Um, ninth overall for the season. Just losing a little bit of efficiency, but 92 from the line's awesome. Jalen Brown was pretty solid as well. In this game, JB, you've done it again. But he only played 30 minutes. He had really early foul trouble. 19 and 7 with two threes, while Marcus Smart had 15 and 5. Now, with Brown in some foul trouble and Derek White in some foul trouble, we saw Malcolm Brogdon play 25 minutes. 15 points, three threes, four assists. The last two games from Brogdon have been much better. I just think that the Brogdon and Derek White situation is going to just leave them both as streaming guys and not must roster 12 team lead players. It's just too much back and forward in their minutes. Rob Williams played 21 minutes for three points and seven rebounds. People are frustrated with Rob Williams. You can get him for cheap. There are many people who are considering dropping him. Many people ask me, what do I do with Rob Williams? And my answer is you hold him. But you can get him for cheap in a deal. Like It's going to be a while. I think it might be until maybe even the end of this month before you get better production. But you can get him for cheap. And if you're in a position to do so, do so. It's getting worse for Al Horford. 24 minutes, 8 and 8. Can't hit free throws this season either. Everything's down. Um, low usage player, obviously. Only 24 minutes. Well, Grant Williams played 28. I don't know. Um, it, it, it's hard to suggest that he is a drop, given he's their starting center. And he's got such a track record of being good, but he's old. He's 36. He's sitting back-to-backs. He is seeing production drop off significantly all season, really. Um... I don't know. It's a bold call. I, th- I think he might be a drop. In a 10, for sure. All right, no problem if you're in a 10 team league dropping him. I don't think you're going to miss huge... Maybe you are. I, I, got, I don't think that's too much of an issue. Eight team league, see you later. No worries. Um, even in a points league, he's averaging under 25 fantasy points this season. That's probably not must... That's not must roster 12 team in points leagues. Category leagues, it is a little bit different and it is going to depend how your team's set up, but... Things are absolutely trending the wrong way. I do think he's going to be better and bounce back, but is it enough? Like, does he bounce back? He's 190th over the last week. Does he bounce back to the 110th best player? Is that good enough? Probably not, right? It might not be worth it. It is definitely a question that I didn't think I'd have to think. I didn't think I'd ask myself this question this season that is Horford a drop, but I am actually asking it now. And I think it's a legitimate question. Grant Williams, 12 and 4 in 28 minutes. Um, yeah, that's solid. I don't think he's a 12-team league guy. Back on Horford. Like, I'm not, I, I can be stubborn with holding onto guys for too long, for sure. And maybe that's the problem here. So I'd be, I'd be really cautious and I probably wouldn't do it. I know I wouldn't go out of my way to acquire him in a trade with somebody. And if he was dropped on the waiver wire, I probably would add though. But I'm not sure that I would. I probably would. 
but it isn't it isn't trending well. Like for example, I have him projected 119th rest of the season, which is okay. But it's not good. Hmm. What do you think about Horford? Uh, this is a bad Luca game. He doesn't even get the stunning sound drop. It was bad for his standards. He was obviously not well. He was like coughing and spluttering and got smashed in the chest and had to have a locker room trip for a massage. 23 and 9 and 3. No defensive stats, no threes, 30% shooting, 82 from the line. Just chalk it up as a stinker. In fact, most of this team had a stinker. Christian Wood, who me and Kingy discussed on the mailbag earlier today, we said, hey, ever since he started, he's hitting like 80% of his free throws and blocking three and a half shots a game. There's no way, right? That's just not a realistic expectation. Well, he went two of three from the line, 42% from the field and blocked one shot. And 12 and 12 is still totally fine. But that's four straight games under 30 minutes for Christian Wood, despite starting and no foul trouble. Yes, it was a blowout and that probably impacted it. But that top 20 run feels really fake. I think he can be top 50, but we'll see what happens here. Dinwiddie had 18 points with five assists. Like, okay. While uh, Jaden Hardy, 15 minutes, 15 points. Took the minutes away from Kemba Walker, obviously. Frank Nelikina only played six. McKinley Wright only played seven. I wonder if Kidd will persist or commit to him. I really doubt it. But that shot making was very interesting. And we at least we at least want to keep an eye on it when you know, Kemba... Remember people, everyone added... Not everyone. A lot of people added Kemba in 12-team leagues. Remember that? Um, yeah, well, he's like cooked. He's like back out of the rotation again. And that's interesting from Hardy. It's something we want to pay some attention to, I think. Um, let's go to the next game. Yeah, let's go to the next game. Game three. It was the Utah Jazz and the Houston Rockets. The Jazz pull away, 131-114. Let's talk about Lowry Market, and he was unbelievable. 49-8 and eight with six triples. Not a huge amount else. 56 from the field and 100% from the line on 13 attempts. He has been unbelievable this season. He's the 18th ranked player for the year. He's top 10 over the last week. He continues to shoot at just an astonishing level. And I'm a little skeptical. I think his true shooting percentage is up 10 percentage points from last season. So it's not just about an increased role in usage. He's hitting everything. And over the last two weeks, he's at like 46% from three. And I think 65 from two, which feel like it isn't possible to continue at that level. And he's attempting 10 free throws a game when he's at, I think, four for the season or five for the season. So look, double-digit free throw attempts here again, that has massively spiked. I think he can. he's top 30 rest of the year. I don't think that this level of, is going to be a slump. Can you cash in for a top 10 player? I don't know. He's obviously performing close to it. He's right there. I think in general, the idea is just roll with it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he can maintain a level of 10 plus percentage points higher than his efficiency from last season. Because that's where he's at. But it would also, yeah, the likelihood of that seems low. I know he's done it for 35 games, but do you do it for another 35? That's, it seems tough to do. It seems tough to do. Mike Conley didn't shoot well. Nine points on 30%, but he had 11 assists and he's... Form has improved. While the man on the street, Jordan Clarkson. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. 19-4-5 with two steals. Another strong game from Clarko. Um, remains a 12-team league guy. The Jared Vanderbilt-Kessler minutes was interesting. 31 for Vanderbilt, 17 for Kessler. Jared had 15-9-5 with two steals. Rebounds and steals. That's what uh, Vanderbilt is. He took one shot. He hit it, but he took one. Rebounds and steals is what he is. The assists were really nice. He remains like a fringe 12-team league guy. Kessler... 
on the other hand, played 17 minutes, had eight and four with one steal and two blocks. The two blocks is nice. The field goal percentage is nice. You'd love him for get a few more minutes. And I think what's interesting here is, I guess the general narrative would be Kessler's really struggled over the last week or so. Over the last week, he's ranked higher than Jared Vanderbilt, 104th versus 108th. It's not much difference, but I reckon if I just asked you without that info, who's been a better player over the last week, you'd almost undoubtedly say, if you've got Kessler, you would say definitely Vanderbilt. Maybe if you have Vanderbilt, you would say the same thing. But interestingly, that's not the case. Kelly Linick had some foul trouble, didn't shoot well, which has been a constant theme. He's still 161st over the last week, which isn't great, of course but he still remains a top 80 player on the, over the course of the season. And even though he played 21 minutes and had only two points, he still had four assists, two steals, and a block. So adding the peripherals, not great. I am still holding. I get if you want to drop it. And in a points league, I actually don't think he's must roster in a points league. In a 12-team points league, I don't think he's a must. In a category league, I wouldn't be dropping him. I mentioned last time the Jazz paid, played, hey, watch out for Oshai Agbaji. I think they're going to give him rotation minutes. 18 minutes for Agbaji, 11 points with three threes. Looks good on the surface. There's nothing else there. One rebound, nothing else. And he was 80% shooting. So it's fake. The minutes might be real, but don't look at this. Like, ooh, ooh. See, so something big's happening here for Agbaji. It's still just very, very deeply. But they took Nikhil Alexander-Walker out of the rotation and replaced him with Taylor Horton-Tucker. I, I don't think Horton-Tucker's it. But really what it does now is it makes that jazz stream of trying to get someone to play four games. And really, your only option available there was Alexander-Walker. Well, that just got dicked over, didn't it? Now I don't know what happens on that uh, Saturday, Sunday back-to-back. Maybe, maybe Agbaji is a back-to-back stream. Do I feel good about Horton Tucker playing in both of those? Not particularly. So yeah, that's, that, got, that got wrecked, didn't it? Really, really bad. I just thought Alexander Walker was been playing well, which he had been. I thought there's a, a, with Sexton out, he'll stay in the rotation. But no, it lasted one game, unfortunately for us. We can't do much about that. Beasley scored well, but only played 20 minutes. 19 points, five threes, nothing else. B still remains a good stream for that weekend. For the Rockets, while well, they welcome back, and we welcome back, the Wild Thing, Jay Sean Tate. Even the Wild Thing's gone well. I can't do much about that. Yeah, he was back. Played 19 minutes, 11, 2, and 2, with two steals. Really good game. I do not believe Jay Sean Tate is a 12-team league player. I don't. That is good. The steals are good. I just don't think that there is a large enough role there for him. The Rockets announced, I've never heard so much slobbering in my life about how good it was to have Tate back. I just don't think the role is large enough for him. Even if, say, Eric Gordon goes, I think he's just going to be like a KCP level fantasy player. Maybe the 130th best guy who does struggle with his free throws quite a bit and his three-point shooting quite a bit and will struggle to get usage, but might get you a steal or two with some assists. He basically replaced Ty Ty Washington. They just took the backup point guard out, rookie backup point guard who'd been playing all right, and they ran with a bench unit of Eason, Tate, and KJ Martin. Just a four-man rotation. The guy that was such a threat to start, the vertical spacer, the lob threat, Bruno Fernando, out of the rotation. All these coaches that make the dumbest decisions. They get it right, finally, but out of the rotation. So that meant that the delicate dancer, Alperen Shingun, played 32 minutes. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. I'm sorry to Stephen Silas, but the fact that Shingun was in foul trouble, and you, and you still found, you, you amazingly found a way to play him 32 minutes instead of an absolutely asinine five center or three center rotation you've been running all season. It's just bad coaching. It's actually horrific coaching. There's, there was no need for, Fernando did not need to play. 
You ran a nine-man rotation today. He could have been your 10th guy if you were so enamored with everything that he brings. Like, it's just garbage coaching. Now, as for Shangun, 20 and 14 are still on a block. He was awesome today. I've had a lot of people, even before today, oh, man, I'm so frustrated. What can I do with Shangun? Like, like literally nothing. He's a top 70 player. Like, what, are you, what is everybody talking about? There's a couple of bad games in there, but calm down. It's frustrating because we know there is way more potential in what he can do. But, you know, reactive managers. Kevin Porter bounced back 23 and 6. Didn't shoot well, nor did Jalen Green, who had 33% shooting. But 30 points for Green with four threes is great. And he was awesome from the line. 10 of 11 really gives you a big boost there. The struggles, though, on that shot and you know, getting defensive stats for Jalen Green continues to be a problem. As for Tari preseason, well, he did his thing. A steal, two blocks, but only 20 minutes. I just... I don't know that he would he have played 20 minutes if Jabari Smith Jr. didn't get benched and in foul trouble. Smith played only 20 minutes. So Eason played 20 minutes. So if Smith plays 30, is it Tari that misses out? Is it Tate that misses out? Is it Martin that misses out? I'm going to assume it's Tari. Very hard to hold him. Impossible almost. Eric Gordon played in a back-to-back and delivered nothing as usual. 12 points, 3 threes, 31 minutes. While KJ Martin had 7 in 23 minutes. So any utility that KJ had... As a streamer, when Gordon sat, is gone. Because Gordon's not sitting anymore, apparently. And Tate is back, and they're all going to mix and mash and get into each other's way with minutes, and then just not worth it. Like Eason, Tate, Gordon, KJ, not 12-team league guys. There will be a push to drop Jabari Smith. I get that. In a points league, maybe I would consider it. I don't know that he's the great points league guy. I still think that you know, this is a bit of a slump, and I would like to hold him. But I'm getting less convinced of that. And the closer we get to fantasy playoffs, the tougher decisions you have to make. So if you do need to trade or move on, or well, not even trade, no one's taking him in a trade. I get it. I, again, will be stubborn and will personally hold on. But you know, even my projections, I don't have him projected top 100 rest of season. So maybe that's not as necessary to hold on through that sort of nonsense that's happening now. And now we do the last game of the night, which... There's not really any point talking about, is there? Because the Clippers got smashed. 122-91, benched their starters at halftime. So we had Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, Luke Kennard, and Moses Brown start the second half. Brown was pretty bad in that situation. He ended up with a double-double, but got spanked and then played garbage time. I don't, I don't know what to take out of this game. I, honestly, I don't think... From a Clippers point of view, I don't think there's anything that has any fantasy relevance at all, and I'm just not going to pretend that there is. Even from a Nuggets point of view, I think what we look at is, you know, I can tell you Vlako Chanchar had 15 and 12 with a triple one, which is really good. I can tell you that Zeke Naji played about 24 consecutive minutes and had 13 and six. Um, Jamal Murray had 18 points in 21 minutes. Bones Highland had 16 in 20. But what does it matter? Right? Nothing that happened in this game should change our opinion on the fantasy values of these guys. Now, both of these teams have a back-to-back tomorrow. I am staggered that Paul George played in this game. He hurt his hamstring last game. He's already hurt his hamstring this season. He came back. He did not look good. 11% shooting. And I know that everyone is going to be up in arms. The Clippers, all these guys, they never want to play. What are they doing? They're all disgraces. They're disgusting. How dare they? Right? Paul George shouldn't have played this game. There's no way he should have played this game. You don't ping your hammy or have soreness in your hammy two days ago and then play. It was point why he played. I have no idea. All right, no reason for him to play in this game at all. Kawhi Leonard is coming off an ACL tear, 
I, I know we played 18 minutes, but I detailed this on the show earlier this morning. Like, just because he only played 18 minutes here doesn't mean, well, he can just play 18 tomorrow. I don't. That's not really how recovery and injury plans work, I don't think. I will be flabbergasted if Kawhi plays tomorrow. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if Paul George plays tomorrow, to be honest. Just because he played 18 today doesn't mean that he gets to play. He can play tomorrow. Oh, he's fine. 30 minutes tomorrow, all good. I honestly don't think that I don't think that's how it works. I don't think that's how injury management works, recovery works. The fact that the extra stress on your body is there. Yes, he didn't play 12 more minutes of game time today, but it's not about that. It's the process. It's getting ready. It's the warm ups. It's the stress on the joint, and then in less than 24 hours, he's out doing it again. That's the problem. And the same goes with Jamal Murray, who played 21 minutes. But I bet if Jamal Murray sits tomorrow, and Kawhi doesn't that Kawhi will cop all of the hatred for it, but not Jamal, even though they're both coming off an ACL, that Jamal actually tore, I think, two months or a month and a half before Kawhi. So uh, let's wait and see. I I still think that the plan should be in place. If these guys were planning to sit tomorrow, they should sit tomorrow. I don't know if Paul George was planning to sit tomorrow, but I I don't think the hamstring's right, and I think he shouldn't. Now, who knows? They were benched because they were bad. Like, they would... Then there's something clearly going wrong there because it was just an insipid performance in the first half from the Clippers. And I, I don't know what the problem is. And they were benched because they were shit outs. And I said, someone else give us a spark. Not that it really worked, but they actually kept it probably a little bit closer. Those bench guys in the second half versus the starters. There's something wrong. But again, people are like, well, the Clippers don't care about the regular season. Well, they'd want to bloody care because they're 21 and 19. They're not going that well. What are they, seventh? Sixth seed at the moment? A game ahead of the Blazers? Half a game ahead of the Blazers? Half a game ahead of the Suns, half a game ahead of the Warriors, half a game ahead of the Jazz. They're no guarantee for the playoffs at all. And they would, I'm pretty sure that they would want to make the playoffs. So I don't think that these guys are just so cavalier or the end the organization is like, well, you know, we don't care. We're fine. Just sit, don't play. We don't need you to play. But that seems to be the attitude that people think that they have. And I, I just don't agree with that. I'd love to see anyone watching this or listening how many games do you think Kawhi has played since he last played a back-to-back? What do you think the answer is? How long has it been since Kawhi played a back-to-back? When do you think he last... How many games has it been since he last played a back-to-back? What do you think the answer is to that? I'll tell you the answer. It's 24 games. He last played a back-to-back 24 games ago. Yes, he missed the whole season in there with a torn ACL, obviously. Um, but he played a back-to-back in April of the 2020-2021 season. So, again, people act like it's been 10 years and he never plays. He, he literally did. And then he tore his ACL. So now, like, obviously, there's the recovery process from that. Um, but I'm very... Like, I already know what the... Um, I already know what the narrative is around this, but I'll, I'll be very intrigued to see what happens if Murray sits tomorrow or versus Kawhi and PG and how people receive that. Is really interesting. It will be very intriguing to me. And again, I don't really have anything to talk about with this game. Like from that, from a fantasy perspective, just that narrative part of it will be very intriguing. Let's look at the lines of the night. The monstrous line of the night is Lowry Markinen. The waiver wire line of the night is Vlaco Chanchar. You don't need to do anything with that. The young gun is Paolo, and the dud is Paul George. He shot eleven percent, scored three points. Like bad night. Top ten players today. Number one was Markinen, followed by Tatum, Jaron Jackson, Paolo Banquero, Jar Morant. We had some massive games today. Bruce Brown, Jordan Clarkson, Jalen Brown, 
Alperen Sengun, and Vlako Chanchar. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. There's not a lot to take out of here. Number one was Chanchar. Don't care. Zeke Naji, number two. Don't really care. Tyus Jones. Um, yeah, look, with Bain out, he produced, but I don't think he's a 12-team must-add at all. Robert Covington got some extra minutes in the blowout. Tari Eason. Well, we're really worried about where the minutes or how they can actually spike. I don't think they can. Grant Williams, good stream strategy for Saturday for him, but still don't love it. Jaden Hardy, really want to see where his role goes, but I doubt it we're adding in anything outside of the deepest, deepest leagues. The wild thing, Jay Sean Tate, encouraging return. I still think he's a 14-team league player. Rudy Gay and Dwight Powell, very, very little to see with those guys. And your top 10 players today in points leagues, Tatum, Markinen, Jaron, Paulo Banquero, Morant, Shangun, Jalen Green, Jalen Brown, Jordan Clarkson, and Vlatko Chanchar. And that... We'll do it for us today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. If you're on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.